At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Son of a Butch podcast. I'm your host, Claude Harmon. Took the summer off, really excited to be back. Uh, new partner, new name for the show. New partner is iHeartRadio. Um, I got to have a summer off. Uh, I want to thank everybody at golf.com who we partnered with last year for the podcast. Um, that ended at the end of May. Uh, didn't get shut down by Liv. Didn't have to not do the podcast because of Liv. All the Liv conspiracy theories. There's a lot of crazy shit out there. But um, really excited to be back. You guys know the drill. We're going to have great guests golfers, people that love golf, and hopefully uh, you'll get better by listening. I always say golf is a pretty simple game that confuses smart people. And one of the things, uh, a lot of the feedback that I got uh, from last year's um, podcast was um, that we had great guests. And I just can't thank everyone enough for listening because, listen, I didn't think the podcast was, was going to take off. And the fact that I didn't do it I was constantly getting messages saying, where's the podcast? So it's back. And if you're going to have a podcast named Son of a Butch, who better to have as first guest if your dad's name is Butch Harmon than Butch Harmon? Um, last time we talked to my dad on the podcast, I think it was the week after the Masters and how the golf landscape has changed. He's got some great takes on kind of where we are today. Uh, we talk uh, about all the major champions, uh, just such an amazing year in the majors, and uh, maybe talk about the future of where golf is going. So the Son of a Butch podcast, first episode, sit back and enjoy listening to the legend that is Butch Harmon. So the obvious choice for the first guest of the new launch of the podcast um, is Butch Harmon. Dad, if I'd have told you at Augusta National, Scotty Scheffler's just played unbelievable. He's won his first green jacket and then he, he, he starts out and then we have what we have now as the golf landscape. Would you have believed that golf would be where it is today? No, I think I wouldn't believe all the chaos that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of that, as you know, you, you're, you're kind of involved with that with a couple of the players that you teach. And, uh, you know, just life moves on and different challenges are thrown out there. And uh, this is uh, kind of a big one. We're going to have to wait and see what happens. And uh, I just think uh, the parties, uh, both parties on both sides, the live side, the PGA Tour side, they take a deep breath and say, hey, look, let's just try and get along and let's, let's see what we can do 
to make this work. And until that happens, I think this is all going to be a bunch of turmoil. Uh, you and I have talked about this before. I, I think there's going to be some more guys switch over. Uh, who they are, I don't know. You hear all the rumors, but until they do, we won't know. And I think if any of the bigger, younger stars switch over, then I think the tour is going to have to somehow or some some way try and get along. Uh, interestingly enough, now they're coming up with all these new plans to pump up prize money, very similar to what the live is, uh, all these different things and so on and so forth. So it's, I don't know. I, I think it reminds me a lot of politics uh, these days. Both parties are going this way instead of coming this way. And so you've been good friends with Greg Norman for, you know, the better part of 30 years. You coached him, you helped make him, you know, get him back to number one in the world. You helped him win a major. Um, I know you consider him a friend. You also played the PGA Tour. It was your home as a player and it was your home as a coach for the better part of 30 years. Um, Do you think there's a way that this moves forward and we end up with the live guys doing their thing and the PGA Tour doing their thing? Do you think there's a way that they can come together or do you think that ship has already sailed? Well, I would hope there's a way they could come together, I think, for the betterment of the game. And it doesn't hurt to have two different leagues. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I went to my Q school in 1968, the players broke away from the PGA of America. And there was two Q schools. And I can remember asking my dad, which one do I go to, the one with the players or the ones with the PGA of America? And he says, you always go where the players go. And so I did. So I went through a little bit of this myself at, at that point in time. Nothing like this, though, Claude, because of the money that's being thrown around. Look, Greg had this idea 27 years ago, and he he approached it. He had a TV contract. He had uh, a bunch of big stars signed up, and all of a sudden, the, the tour got ahead of it, and uh, and it went away. So he's always had this idea in his head that he would like to get this done. Now, this opportunity came along, and the Saudis came along with their idea and, and Greg is involved big time. And, you know, I, I think at this point in time, and, and I know both uh, Commissioner Monaghan and Greg Norman, I think they both need to put their egos aside and let's look at what's best for the game and then uh, try and get together. Because as you know, you're involved with Live Tour more than I am. I don't know anything about it except what I read. You, you, you're out there on it. It's not going away. It's here to stay. So let's figure out a way to make it work. You know, I think the sad thing is we, you know, if you look at the, we're, we're going into the tour championship. So the, the PGA tour schedule has run its course. Uh, if you look at the four majors this year, dad, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith. I mean, I think the thing that's, uh, I think a lot of people feel like the golf is being overshadowed because if you look at the way those four majors were won, and if you look at the golf played by those four players, I mean, it was some it was some unbelievable golf. I mean, well, the, the most recent one, I thought the way Cam Smith performed at the Open Championship down the stretch was unbelievable golf. No, no doubt about it. And, and look at the shot Patrick Fitzpatrick hit on the 72nd hole at the Country Club in Brookline from a fairway bunker with a lip in front of him. One of the finest shots you'll ever see under pressure hit. So you're right. The four majors were very exciting. I, I agree 100%. I think the... The strange thing I'm seeing in what's going on is because of the known, quote-unquote, known superstars, the 
the Dustin Johnsons, the Brooks Kepkas, the, the Speeds, the Justin Thomases, these guys, uh, they haven't been up there on the leaderboards for a while. So all these young guys are getting a chance and they're coming along. They're fantastic players, as you and I know. Unbelievable players. But the tour is driven by star power. And the stars that everybody knew are not quite there at the moment. So you're seeing all the young guys. Are you, I feel sorry for Scotty Shepard. He has had a phenomenal year. Just beyond belief what a great year he's had. In a time when there's so many good players. But I guarantee you, if you went to any golf tournament and said, who's the number one player in the world? Nobody would know it's Scotty Shepard. And that's sad, to be honest with you. I thought um, you mentioned Matt Fitzpatrick at the U.S. Open. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of golf, as you have, and, and you watch these players, Dad, when you're on tour. You watch, even if you don't work with them, you watch their work ethic. You watch how hard they work. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a kid work harder day in, day out than Matt Fitzpatrick does on, on all parts of his game, from his short game to his putting to his full swing to his fitness. Um, in an age to where length is so hugely, hugely important, um, do you think it's good for the professional game that a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick, just through standing up, hitting shots, hitting the right shots at the right time, making the right putts on a difficult golf course? Um, you know, Brookline is not an easy golf course, but I think that is a really good thing for professional golf that players like Matt Fitzpatrick win majors because all we hear is if you don't have length, you can't win. Well, first of all, Matt Fitzpatrick has done everything to make himself better from where he won the U.S. Amateur years ago to where he is now. He's a completely different player. I think he's a different player this year than he was a year ago. He hits the ball further. He's done a lot of speed training. Uh, he, he has done everything he can to get the best out of his ability. In a way, and this is not a put down to Matt Fitzpatrick, you could almost say he's a little bit of an overachiever in modern day golf because he doesn't hit it 350 yards off the tee. He doesn't do the things a lot. He's a little guy. He's not a big guy. He's got a great caddy in Billy Foster, one of the best caddies in the history of the game, who has helped him tremendously. And I, I got to take my hat off to him. I admire him. I think it's phenomenal what he's done. And it just shows you what can be done by these young players today. And there's so many of them, Claude. It's why I said it a little while ago, the tour is driven by star power with a big, big name star power isn't quite there at the moment, but they're still out there. But these young kids coming on, my gosh, they can play. Have you... Um I mean, I haven't seen anybody putt the way Cam Smith putts under pressure since since Tiger Woods putted like that. I mean, it it looks like every 15, 20 footer this kid's got, he's just gonna and they're all going down. They're going right in the middle of the hole. They're not they're not side dooring it. They're going in the middle of the hole. He's got exactly what Tiger Woods had. Every putt he hits has to go in look. If it doesn't go in, he looks like he gets robbed. I mean, the kid is and he's got ice waters in his veins. I mean, he just stands up to the plate, and he, he, his routine, the thing I like about him, and one thing I used to love about Tiger, that if you put a stopwatch on Tiger Woods in the very first hole, first putty hit on the first hole to the last putty hit on the 72nd hole, it's the exact same amount of time that he took. The two practice strokes, the head looking at the hole, the way set up. Well, Cam Smith does the exact same thing on every putt. Doesn't matter whether it's the first hole of the tournament or the last hole to win, and I think the average person can learn a lot by that. So he's, he's learned how to relax his nerves. He's got a beautiful stroke. 
But the one thing that people don't talk about in these guys that are great putters, and Tiger Woods was the best in the world at it, is reading greens. You've got to be a great green reader on all different surfaces. And Cam Smith is just like Tiger did, putts phenomenal on every surface, which tells me this kid can really read greens too. Yeah, and the other thing I think that that I always marvel at in watching Cam Smith, when you know when I'm out with him in in, in practice rounds, is his speed control on on putts from distance. Um, that is probably one thing. And and one of the announcers said it on the telecast yesterday um, in watching Patrick Cantlay win um, the second FedEx event. You know, Patrick had a very long putt, putted up there to two feet. I don't think tour players, the, the great putters, get enough. Cra- Everybody knows, oh, they're great green readers. Yeah, they got great strokes, but. The ability to have that consistent speed control on greens, as you know, Dad. I mean, the the greens that the rest of us play on day in and day out, recreational, is is not the same that that tour players around the world are putting on. So to have that touch and feel, especially at the Open Championship at St Andrews, you know how big those greens are. I was really impressed with Cam Smith's speed control all week. Yeah, I mean, because you're going to have long putts at St Andrews. 100 footers. Some putts were <laughs> 20, 25 yards long. I mean, those greens, some of those greens are an acre. And those greens are slow compared to what they are in the U.S. because they have to keep them that way because of the wind. Because if the wind comes up, which it didn't at St. Peter's, they can blow the balls off the green. So just to get that beautiful pace that he had over there on slow greens. You know, in, in the past, they've always said that Americans, when they went to the Open Championship, they struggled on the greens because they were so much slower and stuff. Well, Cam Smith could, could putt on the interstate. This guy, man, he could putt. And, his, and like you say, his putts look like they could go in a thimble. They go right in the middle of the doggone hole. It's actually beautiful to watch. And he says that in a lot of his interviews, he has no mechanical thoughts in his stroke at all. He doesn't think about anything that's happening with the putter. It's a lot of visualization. It's a lot of kind of seeing – um Everybody that plays golf, whether they're trying to play professionally or they're trying to play recreationally, everyone wants, needs, and tries to putt better. Um, and, and, and we've talked in the past about putting. Um, I think there is an art to putting. Would you agree that there – and I think people don't see it as an art. They see it as a skill that they have to practice. Um, do you think the average golfer would be better off learning speed – and green reading first, and then worrying about what their stroke looks like from a technical standpoint. Absolutely. Well, look at it this way. If you can control the speed of every putt you hit, whether it's online perfectly or not, you're never going to be far from the hole. If you made a bad read, okay, you got to tap in. You know, you could have the most perfect line in the world and read the greens beautifully, and have bad speed, you're, you're not going to make putts. But if your speed is good and the ball is always getting to the hole, getting to the hole, getting to the hole, you're never going to three-putt very much unless you just get some severe downhill slope or something. Well, there's nothing you do about that. You shouldn't hit your second shot there. That's the key to that one. But, yeah, this kid's amazing, to be honest with you. And, and he doesn't look like a golfer. I mean, the mullet <laughs> is disgusting, and the attempt at a mustache is beyond belief. And I think it's a bit. I don't know if he's got a girlfriend, but she she needs to give him a big hug and kiss and say, honey, this stuff's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the guys that won a major this year that we did we haven't talked about, um, Justin Thomas, I thought his performance at Southern Hills, um, I know that when he came out on tour, um, when he was a rookie, his old caddy, Jimmy Johnson, um, you said to Jimmy, if you can teach this kid to hit a wedge, 
this kid could be one of the best players in the world. And now I think under pressure, when it counts, Justin Thomas hits some of the best three-quarter, 100 to 115-yard wedge shots that I've seen in a long time. It was years ago with Sleeve Straits, and uh, he was playing a practice round with DJ because you were there. And I remember walking down the first fairway saying to Jimmy Johnson, a lot of people don't realize not only is he a great caddy, he's a hell of a player. Played the South African Tour. I mean, he, he knows golf. And I said to Jimmy, if you can teach this kid how to hit a three-quarter shot, because if you remember, he was all out on every shot. I mean, his, his nine-iron shots were driver contest speed. I said, if you can teach this kid how to fly this golf ball and control his distance, he's going to be one of the best players in the world. And look at him. He is one of the best players in the world. And he's also one of the nicest guys you could ever be. Absolutely. And I think everybody wants that, that watches Golf Dad. They all love that wedge shot where you've got a slope behind, you, you've got some room behind the flag, a, a, a player hits it, you know, 15, 20 feet past and then spins it back. That's the one that I think everybody wishes they can hit. But you, I mean, you more than anybody with all the players you, you've looked at, one of the shots that I think Justin is, is perfected is the no spin, where the pin is tucked like they tuck them at Augusta to where you've got about a five-yard area square. You need to throw it up on that slope and not spin it back. Have the one that just one bounce and just kind of stops. Um, that's a hard shot to perfect, and it's a hard shot to perform under pressure. Well, first of all, you got to take the ball out of the air to do it. you gotta, you got to stop hitting this thing, these balloon wedge shots that you see the average person hit. Yeah, the average person loves to see the backspin. The players on the tour don't really like that. I mean, they want, it, they want to control it. So if you watch them, they send the ball in much lower trajectory. The ball goes in, makes one bounce, checks, and may just dribble just a little. The only time you'll see a guy trying to really bring one back, if there is a big slope there, and they know they can carry it to the back of the green and it'll come back down. But the fans love to see the, the, the spin back. The players go, no, no, I don't want that thing spinning away from the hole. And, and Dustin, Justin Thomas has done a great job at controlling that. He, he really has done a great job in his swing. Uh, right now, I don't think he's playing at the best of his ability. But it's the end of the year. I mean, these guys are tired. They play a lot of golf. They work hard. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see with the new schedule what happens because they're, they're obviously going to get real time off if they want to take it, which is pretty good, too. Um. Roy McIlroy had uh, an interesting year, um, you know, a dominant performance in, up in Canada where he looked like Rory McIlroy. And then, you know, I think everybody, I, I was at St. Andrews, um, I, I thought I just couldn't see him not winning um, another major championship at um, an iconic venue. He has been very, very vocal in his thoughts on what's going on in golf, on live, on the PGA Tour. Um, he's kind of been the de facto mouthpiece of the PGA Tour. Do you think that's wearing him out? Do you think that physically, emotionally, having to constantly ask, get asked these questions by the back nine on Sunday, when you have a chance to win, you're, you're using a lot of emotional capital on other things that aren't golf? One of the things I admire about Rory McIlroy, one of her, he's got a beautiful golf swing and he's a great player. I admire his honesty. I mean, he, he doesn't hide his thoughts. He's very honest about what he says. He doesn't do it in an ugly way. He doesn't do it in a mean way. He's just giving you his opinion. And because of that, he's the one they've kind of gone to all the time to get the, well, that was until Tiger Woods came into the, the scene with the secret meeting last week for 20 guys. I don't know how you got, how about if you showed up at the, 
wherever the meeting was that came in and you you're in the top 25 in the world. It's not, sorry, you're not, you're, you're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they went about that. I mean, luckily they didn't do it at a tournament where it was a full field. So there's only 70 guys in the field, but let's say you're somebody that really wanted to be involved and kind of know what's going on. So you show up at the meeting, they go, no, sorry, bro. You can't, you, you, yeah, you're, I, you're not. I don't know where, how the invitation, I mean, it was done offsite in a hotel in a, in a meeting room, but yeah, I thought that was kind of strange. Uh, I saw the, one of the things that I noticed when they showed Tiger getting off his plane, he was limping quite badly, which I didn't like to see because, you know, we all love Tiger to get back and be able to play, so that didn't look good. And then he brought Ricky with him, who, as much as I love Ricky Fowler, he, he, he wasn't involved in the conversation as far as I was concerned, 100 and something in the world. But because he's such a great guy, everybody likes him. Maybe that was part of the whole uh, deal. You know, nobody's talking about what went down. You hear rumors and stuff. But until the guys actually come out and say, well, here's what we talked about. And maybe, maybe, Claude, I don't know. Uh, maybe the next week after the FedEx Cup is over, maybe we'll hear some of these things. Maybe we'll hear some of the things that happened there and what made them important. And, and going back to Rory, I admire Rory. I admire Rory a lot. He, he's, he says what he feels. He doesn't uh, pull any punches. He doesn't do it in an ugly way. He does it in a professional way, in a nice way. He hasn't taken shots at people. He just says, look, I don't agree with them, but they have the right to do whatever they want, which is what the free enterprise is all about. So I admire him for it. Has it put a little pressure on him? I wouldn't say it's put pressure on him. I, I think he's probably tired of getting asked the damn questions. But unfortunately, because of the fact he's one that will actually give you a intelligent, legitimate answer, unlike some of these guys who don't give you any answers. I'm not going to say any names, but you may know one. Uh, you know, that's the way it is. When when Rory plays like he played in Canada, where he's just, I mean, dominating with the driver, is he the best player in the game when he is firing on all cylinders? Because he... He has the ability. There's two or three guys, I think, in the world. You know, DJ's been in that boat at times. Um, you know, Tiger was in that boat. But Rory can make golf look so unbelievably easy when he is firing it on all cylinders. Well, when he's on, I mean, it's uh, just like when Dustin was on. And Dustin's prime. When he was on, he was the best player. There's no doubt about it. Rory has that ability. For some reason, Rory hasn't had the ability – to be as good on the weekends as he is in the, in the first couple of rounds. And that, let me go back to what you were talking about, because I think it's the nervous system thing and how you control your nerves and stuff like that. Uh, he's far and away, uh, modern day, the best driver I've ever seen. I mean, his swing is built for driving, if you look at it. It's not built to hit a 60-yard wedge shot. It's built to do a beautiful release. I mean, he had hit some drives 470 last week. I mean, yeah. I mean, excuse me, almost 400 yards, not 470, but almost 400 yards and but there's more to golf than driving to me the two most important things to be a really good player is good driving and good putting well he's got the good driving now he's got to work on the consistency of the putting now the opposite end of that is cam smith is the best putter but he doesn't drive the ball very well so <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> um another amazing performance uh, uh, over the weekend from patrick cantlay um, when this kid gets an opportunity to win, there is no backup. There is no fear. I thought the shot he hit at 17 where you, again, another wedge shot where you have to hit one. You're trying to get that inside of, you know, 10 feet. He hits it to tap in another beautiful controlled. What, what do you like about Patrick's 
game and what do you like about him as as a player? Well, I think number one, he's got a beautiful golf swing fundamentally. He's got beautiful rhythm in his swing. Uh, his, his putting stroke is very long and smooth, which mimics his golf swing. I think his coach, Jamie Mulligan, has done a wonderful job in letting Patrick be Patrick, not try and create a swing for him, just do what he does with his swing and make it better. He works tremendously hard on every part of his game. He, he, he reminds me a lot of a Greg Norman or a Tiger Woods, the amount of time he puts in on every aspect of the game, not just full swing, not just three-quarter swing, not just putting, not just tipping. He does it all. He works extremely hard on it. Uh, he doesn't play in as many tournaments as a lot of the other guys play in because he takes his time off, which I think is good. Uh, he doesn't have the most gregarious personality. So I don't think the average person uh, knows him like we know the other players because he's kind of just refined in the way he is. Uh, but I mean, this this kid can really play. And look at where he's come from. I mean, he went a few years. He couldn't even hardly move. His back was so bad. Uh, he went through a terrible tragedy with his best friend was was killed right in front of him. He saw it happen. I mean, this kid has gone through a lot. And I think that's why you see this uh, – I would say this kind of smooth down demeanor that he has. He doesn't let things bother me. You don't see a lot of highs. You don't see a lot of lows. You don't see a lot of smiles. You don't see a lot of anger. He goes about his business very well. He's got a great head on his shoulder for golf. He understands the golf courses and he prepares beautifully for him. Great player. And another player, um, even though he had to pull out last week with a back injury, Will Zalatoris, you know, when, when, you spend as much time as we spend on the tours around the world. You see young players where they get close, they have opportunities. Um, everybody can see that they, they can win golf tournaments. They should be winning golf tournaments. Um, it took Will a little bit longer to get his first one. Um, but very, very impressive as a player. And, you know, he's part of that new generation of players, dad, that comes out. They come out of college. There's no learning curve. There's no apprenticeship. They come out. They have chance. Cam Young is another one of these guys that have just burst on to the scene. And it looks like they belong. And it looks to me when you're around them that even though they haven't had the, the length of time on tour that other players, have, it looks like they feel like they belong in their first or second year. Well, I think it's you. what you're seeing is how wonderful the college system is. I mean, the college system is like AAA baseball, Major League Baseball. I mean, they're, they're, they're groomed for this. They come out of college programs. Most of them only stay a couple of years, but they come out of college programs and they're ready to play. They walk on the tour, unlike guys like myself back in the 60s came on the tour and we were intimidated by the, the great players and stuff. You would tell yourself you weren't, but when you get older and you look back on it, you say, oh, heck yeah, you get paired with one of the best players in the world and you're nervous and you're, how do I handle this and things like that. These guys, they, they've got ice water in their veins. They just come out, they know they're good. They know their strengths. They all work hard. They work hard at their games. You know, I think Zal Torres gets a bad rap about being a bad putter. He doesn't putt that bad. He just has missed some short putts at various times. And, you know, Jordan Spieth misses two putters sometimes. Everybody talks about what a great putter. Yeah, I don't think he puts that bad. Yeah, it's a weird-looking setup, the way he sets up and the way he goes about it. But you can't win tournaments and, and com compete in majors like he has. My gosh, how many seconds and thirds has he had already? Crazy. You know, you be able to make putts. I just think it's 
what's going to happen, Claude, is he's going to win one of these, and it's going to be a snowball going downhill. So he's just going to take – he's going to do similar to what Scotty Sheffer does. He's going to get a taste of winning, and Sheffer is another one who's a really good putter. He's going to get a taste of winning. He's going to get a taste of feeling comfortable in that position. And sometimes you need a break to win. Sometimes you need something to happen to one of the other guys in a tournament that's not good. It's been happening to you. And so I, I think this kid has got a great future. I mean, he, he's skinny. He looks like a one iron without a grip. I mean, this kid's he's unbelievable. He, and yet he can knock the heck out. Well, they all knock the heck out of it. But, but he's good. Uh, whether he's going to turn into be one of the great ones, time will tell. But he has the tools. Uh, that I thought he showed a lot of mental maturity, you know, in, in the playoff in Memphis for the first FedEx. Um, he gets unbelievably lucky late in the playoff for the ball not to go in the water. Sepp Straka rinses it in the water. He and his new caddy um, go over. They look at their options. I mean, a lot of people would have said, I'm going to try and pull this off. Um, a lot of maturity to go back to the drop zone and then stand up. And again, hit one of those wedge shots that we were talking about earlier, a hundred and some odd yard wedge shot that took one bounce, sat down, and it gave him, you know, six feet for the win. Well, what he did, he trusted his ability. He knew what his strengths were. He knew that he knew that yardage was good for the way he likes to, to go about it. And it was perfect. And, and once again, under pressure, he handled the situation. He, he did exactly what he had to do. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Is Tiger going into a new phase in his life, Dad, professionally um, into that kind of Jack and Arnie role that Arnold had when he was still alive to where they kind of were golf, right? They were professional golf. I mean, I know you, Arnold Palmer was your hero growing up. Um, you idolized him. Um, you've been a huge fan of Jack. You, you spent 
a lot of time with both of them. I think when they were both alive, they were kind of seen as the professional game. Um, is that the role you think Tiger's going towards? Do you think he's being pushed towards that role? Do you think it's a role that he wants? Because let's be honest. I mean, there are a lot of people behind the scenes saying, okay, now Tiger's going to go. And, you know, you heard that Justin Thomas and Roy said, Tiger cares passionately about the PJ Tour. But dad, you worked for Tiger for years. Tiger never went to the locker room. He never went to the player's lounge. He probably, if you looked at the amount of people he consistently and religiously played practice rounds with in his career, in the early days, it was Mark O'Meara and John Cook. It was a very small group of people. And then he played practice rounds with Bubba. He played with Arjun Atwell. Now he plays a lot of his practice rounds with Justin. But it's not like Tiger rocks up and anybody can play with him. Um, he didn't interact <laughs> Right when you were around him, he, Tiger didn't really interact with anyone else on tour. Tiger did his thing. So now this role that I think a lot of people who are big fans of the PJ Tour they want him to be this role, kind of the de facto face of it. Um, how do you think this plays out for for Tiger? Well, first of all, Tiger knew what he had to be and how he had to be to be the greatest player in the world, and that's how he was. He got in his world, and he didn't care if anybody else was in it. The only people who were going to get in it is some the few he would let into it. And so, yes, he didn't spend a lot of time in the locker room. The guys will tell you in the old days, he was fun to be around in the locker room because he's always giving everybody a bunch of shit. He can't take it when they give it back to him. <laughs> no, he, he, he cannot take it. <laughs> but having said that, I think that you look at him as, yes, all the young players look up to him. They all look up to him. If you look at the 10 or 12 best young players in the world in their 20s, they are only on the tour because of Tiger Woods. Because when they were 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, Tiger Woods was the man, and they all wanted to be like him. So I think he carries a tremendous amount of respect among the young players. And I think if you – I don't know who went to that meeting, but I bet there wasn't a lot of old ones in there. I bet most of them were the younger ones, the younger superstars that are in there. And I think he relishes that role. I think it is a new time in his life. Yes, he would love to compete and win tournaments. That's what he's all about. But I think he likes the fact. And, and I don't know – only he knows and the commissioner knows that the commissioner asked him to go do this or because this was a players' meeting, commissioner wasn't there, was this Tiger's idea? Once again, I don't know how it all came about. But I think th things like this are good. You, you see players in baseball and football and basketball, things aren't going right. So they have a players meeting. I'll get everybody out of here. The press out of here. All the coaches out of here. Managers, everybody out of here. We're going to talk this over. And I think they probably talked over what's been going on. What, what, what avenue do we have to approach? Uh, I'm not sure that a lot of them agreed with the fact we just can't – admit they exist because they're out there. So we have to figure out how we can all work together and make it good for all of us. And, and I think that if that's what that meeting was about, and I have to believe it was, I think that was good for the game. Because you need to have the players get together, not the, not the managers, not the tour staff, not any of this. The players are the show. Uh, other people are not the show. I'm sorry. I don't mean to put anybody else down, but the players are the show. The players play. They like the players don't play. Nobody likes it. And so I think it was a good meeting. I'd love to hear what really happened, whether we ever will hear that or not. I don't know, but somebody will leak it someday. I think it's interesting Dad, that you bring up the point that the players are the show. I mean, I've always thought that at times the PGA tour 
can come across that they think that they are the show with this constant, we provide this opportunity for you. We provide all these tournaments, which is true. You played the tour. You had an opportunity to do it. You did not start flying around on private jets like Jack and Arnold did off of your tour career because you didn't play well enough. So this argument that I think sometimes the tour puts out that we provide this stage for you. But I mean, I live in Jupiter. There's I see guys that played on the PGA Tour at shopping malls, grocery stores all the time that are just normal people now. They don't have a tour card anymore. The tour isn't calling them to find out how they are, how they're doing, anything that we can do to help you. If if you get an opportunity to play on the PGA Tour, you are only successful by what you do as a player. Nothing else. Well, the, the tour is driven by the star power. There's no doubt about it. My dad, my dad had a guy say, you were very kind to say I didn't play good enough to make it here. I didn't even come close to playing good enough. I got out there, but that was about it. My dad had a great line about me. He used to call me a hot dog pro. And I'd say, Dad, what, what, why are you calling me a hot dog pro? He said, well, it's very simple. But you're in a tournament, three old guys sitting behind the green. They got their program out, and these great players are coming through. So well, who's in the next group? He said, oh, we got Butch Harmon and Joe Jones and Sammy Sausage. Oh, hell, they're no good. Let's go get a hot dog. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, <laughs> so I was a hot dog pro. But the tour is driven by stars, and the, the, the tour sometimes thinks it's all about them. Yes, they're the body that gives them the, the opportunity, but I, I think one of the things in this meeting that they talked about, or I think they talked about, was I, I'm a firm believer that everybody that qualifies for a tournament should get paid. Because here's the problem. It's costing you five to 10000 a week to play in one of these tournaments, and you miss the cut, you don't get any money. I, I don't think that's right. I mean, you sign a contract in baseball for $400 million and you bat 198 you still get your $400 million. So I think that was one of the things that was talked about. Let's make it where everybody can at least make some money on this deal. And then we, I'm sure they talked about we need the bigger tournaments with more money and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, the tourists found $100 million and it looks like they're going to find another $100 million. So it's coming from somewhere. But, you know, like I said, to start off with, we'll get this crap all worked out eventually. Guaranteed money has been something that everybody's talked about. You know, the live guys, the the big guys, Phil, DJ, Bryson, Brooks, um, they've been given a lot of money. Um, some people have a big problem with that. Um, in sports, Dad, um, you know, LeBron James just signed a, a close to a two-year, $100 million contract. I don't think he's going to practice any less. Dak Prescott signed a huge new contract last year with the Cowboys. I don't think he's taken any days off. It seems to me at times that we want golf, especially both professionally and recreationally, that we want it to not evolve, that we want it to be like it was back in the day, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, Frank Nobolo said something to me one time about when he used to do live from, from the PGA Tour, from the majors, whatever, when he would sit with Brandel and, and um, the guys on set. He said, you know, half the time when we're at a major championship, we devote half the show to talking about things that happened in the past. Why don't we spend the majority of the time on the show talking about golf today? Guaranteed money is something that you know everybody has as an athlete. Um, why do you think there has been this outcry of the guys that went to live and people say, oh, well, you just you went for the money. It's guaranteed. You're not going to play. You're not going to practice. Where do you think that comes from? Just because of the way it's always been? No, I, I, I have a very clear uh, 
way of thinking on this. I think the, the players that went to the live, and you're probably not going to agree with me on this, they, they created the problem because they went for the money. There's no doubt about it. That's this BS about I'm going to play less and I, I'm going to spend more time at home. And it's, No, you went for the money. So just say that because the average guy that works, if somebody is in a job and somebody comes up and says, I'm going to give you 20 times more money to come over here, they're going to go over there. And then they're going to tell their, their buddies, hey, yeah, they offered me more money, I went. So that to me, that's the first problem. I, I think the PR of the live has not been good. The guys should have got together and, and be, be honest. I think Pat Perez is the only one that said, yeah, damn right, I went for the money. I'm 46, 47 years old, offering me X, Y, Z, I'm going. I think if you ask Peter Uline the same thing, he'd say, yeah, I'm going. And so just come out and say, just tell it like it is. Yes, we went for the money. This I'm going to grow the game better. No, that has nothing to do with it. They're not growing any game. They're, they're growing their bank accounts, which every sport sportsman has the right to do, to get the best deal you can get. So I have a problem with people complaining about that. But I think they brought that on themselves by coming up with this other stuff. Secondly, the thing that, that really bothers me is that the public – and I'm not going to say I'm pro or anti-live. The public is coming out against these live guys because it's a Saudi-run thing. Our government does business with Saudi Arabia. Every large corporation in the world does business with Saudi Arabia. And so why they're picking on golfers, I have no idea. Golfers, to me, have been the most underpaid superstars in all sport because they don't get big contracts. Yes, they make endorsement contracts, but you have to earn those. And as soon as you play bad, those go away. Professional athletes, they sign these contracts. I mean, the Cleveland Browns just signed a, a quarterback and, and, and paid him almost $500 million, and the money's guaranteed, and, and he's, a, he's a sex offender and could go to jail. I mean, so why are you picking on us? Golfers are nice guys. We don't bother anybody. We just go play golf. And yeah, the guy had a chance to make $100 million. I'll tell you what, somebody offered me $100 million, I'm gone. I'm over there. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just tell it like it is. Um, another guy that's, that's been a part of this controversy, dad, um, who you spent a lot of time with, who I think you consider a friend as well, Phil Mickelson, um, has it been hard to watch, um, some of the stuff that Phil's gone through because you more than anybody who spent, you know, as much time, almost 10 years with Phil, um, he can shoot himself in the foot better than anybody. Well, Phil's very honest. I mean, he's got no filter. It's one of the things I admired about him. One of the things, one of the reasons we were friends because I've got a lot of that in myself too. What we think, <laughs> you don't, you don't have a lot of filter. <laughs> what we think is what we say, and, and I think, in all honesty, I'm going to give Phil some credit. People didn't like it, but a lot of things he said about the tour, I think, were true. And I think the tour is now seeing that, and they're trying to change a lot of that stuff. So you, you got to hand it to Phil for that. Uh, he has taken a tremendous amount of criticism for it. You know, there's things that have come out about him and his, his personal life that he hasn't done. And then, hey, look, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, all right? Uh, we all make mistakes. There's things in our past and stuff, but I think bygones should be bygones. Let Phil just go on and be Phil. Phil's, what, 52 years old now. He, he won a, ma a major at, at 51, which is absolutely amazing. One of the greatest feats of all time. Uh, he had an opportunity to do what he did to sign for what the number that I heard was 200 million. I don't know if that's number enough, but somebody offers you 200 million dollars. I'll give a damn who you are. You're going, you're saying, <laughs> all right. And then what are the parameters of this 200 million? What do I have to do? Yeah, I can do that. It's, I can play golf. Now I wish he was playing better. And I know he wishes he was playing better. And I know how hard he works. He's working at it. 
So I'd like to see him play a little better and be a, a superstar out there on the limb because right now he's just one of the 48 guys. Do you like um, – tell me some of the things you like about what Liv is doing and tell me some of the things that you don't like. Uh, I think they made it a lot more relaxed atmosphere. Well, obviously, the guys are already getting paid. But the guys are still competitors. You know, people say, well, they're, they're not hungry. to win. Sure they are. It's $4 million first prize. You, you went for the money, so you're still going to go for the $4 million. I mean, I, I like the amount of money they put out there. I don't like that it's only 48 cars. I wish it was more players. I'd like to What see would it. be – so in, for you, what would be an ideal amount for you? Because – we hear about Liv's only 48 guys, but last week we've got 70. This week we've got 30. Tiger's event in, in the Bahamas to Hero, there's 18 guys in that. The old world match play that they used to have in, in London was a very limited field. There have always been tournaments that to where the fields are limited. I like, I, I like 60. I think 60 is a good number. I think, you can, I think you could probably still do the shotgun starts with 60. It might be harder to do, but I, you could do that. I, I, I didn't like the shotgun starts. You tell me that the guys love it because they say everybody's playing on the same playing field at the same time, which is very good. The only problem I have with it is, uh, let's say I'm leading the tournament by one and you're one behind and you're finishing on an easy hole and I'm finishing on the hardest hole of the course. And I make bogey, you make birdie, and we get flipped. Now, that hasn't happened, but it could happen. You know, that, that's a possibility it could happen. Uh, the players seem to like the shotgun start because, as I said, they're all playing in the same weather, same conditions. Which I greens are the same. Yeah, every, everything's the same. So the wind's blowing the same on every hole. I mean, so they, uh, I can see where they like that. Uh, I would like to see 60 players, I think, would be good. Uh, I don't know why they went to three rounds. That, uh, that's the biggest question mark for me. I haven't read anything about why they went to. I know that's what LIV stands for. It's Roman numerals for 54, but a lot of people don't know that. See, I, I'm such a math genius, and that's a bunch <laughs> of <stuff. laughs> But I, I'd like to see it go to 60. I think he could bring over a lot more players, get involved. I don't think it's a – you're never going to hurt these guys with money because if they need some money, they just pump another well for five minutes and covers the whole tour. So, you know, they, they're not going to run out of cash. Uh, we the whole live thing, and you know more about this than I do, Claude, because you've been out there, you've been at every event, you got two players that you coach that are on it. Uh, I think we just have to see what's going to happen. I think the, the, the governing bodies, European Tour, PGA Tour, for me, there's a way to coexist. And here, here, here's my way of saying All right, it. so you, you get in a room right now with Greg Norman and Jay Monahan, and someone asks you to be the moderator between the two of them, okay? What advice are you giving to Greg, and what advice are you giving to Jay to try and see if there's a way that this whole thing can be less destructive and less aggressive than it is? Uh, first of all, I'd say leave your egos at the door. Come in with no egos. Let's come in with an open mind and see what we can do to make it better. That would be the first thing. The second thing, I, I would think that there is a way for the European Tour, the PJ Tour, the Live Tour to get together and have four or five huge tournaments a year where participants from all three get to play. You can, you can make it a 100-man field. You can do it off world rankings. You can do it any way you want to do it. I don't care. For a tremendous amount of money, because that's what it's all about and go to iconic, fabulous golf courses around the world and have this true world event. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not, because I, I don't think Jay Monaghan is, he would even go to the meeting at the moment. So I think until things calm down, I, I don't, I'm, I've never 
talk to Jay about it. So, you know, I haven't had that opportunity. But I would love to see some kind of thing get together where it is a world event, a gigantic world event, not opposed to the majors. The majors will always be the majors. They're their ultimate in golf is winning the majors. I don't care if you won 25 tournaments in your life. You never won a major. I'm sorry. You're not considered a, a great champion. But there's got to be a way that they can coexist. Because, But as I said to you earlier, it's just like our two political parties. The, the Republicans and Democrats are going this way. They're not coming this way to try and get together and do what's best for the country. And I think these two organizations have to get together and do what's best for golf. You've got a lot of friends. Um that are um, Augusta members. Um, you've got a lot of friends, Dad, that are real Augusta members. There are members at Augusta, and then there are people that are part of the, they are the gatekeepers of Augusta National, the Masters, and they are part of the gatekeepers of professional golf as as the governing bodies. Um, knowing the way that Augusta and the Masters like to run their tournaments, um, you, you, I know you believe they run their tournament. The Masters is the best run golf tournament. It's the best run sporting event in sports. Absolutely. You've, you've always thought. Where do you think they shake out on this? Because currently you've got Phil, you've got DJ, you've got Patrick Reed, you've got Charles Schwartzel. Um, Am I missing any Masters champions? Sergio. Sergio. That's five. They've got five. The last thing they want is the champion's dinner and the picture that, you know, you've got a picture in your office. Your, your, your father was part of the first champion's official champion's dinner in the fifties. And, and he, he was part of that. Right. And there's, you've got a great yeah. picture in your office. The last thing that I think the powers that be at Augusta want is an asterisk where these great champions, I mean, Phil's not only an Augusta champion, I mean, he's a multiple masters winner. Bubba Watson, who's now going to live, he's six. He's won that tournament twice. Um, I don't think they want to see a tournament where they're champions. I don't think they want to be taking names off the nameplates in the in the champions locker room. Do you? No, and I don't think that's going to happen. Look, I, I know a lot of the Augusta members. You know they don't talk about what goes on there. It's very guarded and how who knows what's happening. I think they love tradition as much as any tournament and having the former player or former champions there has always been one of their great traditions. My whole life I've been going there because my dad was a, a former champion. I think what's going to happen unless there's a way that the live players can get world rankings. Once they fall out of the top 50 world and they're not on the, the, the way that you can get in, I think that's going to be a problem for the players. So you can't get in. I think the champions will always be invited back. I, I don't foresee then there's six of them over there. So I, I don't see for them uh, doing, I think the tour taking these guys' names off of the, the all-time list and stuff like that, it's very petty. It's childish. It's like, okay, we're in the, we're in the play yard and the guy's got all the toys and we want to play with him and he gets mad at you and he picks all his toys up and leaves and you can't have any. That's kind of what I relate that to. I think it's very childish the way they've done that. These guys earn the right. Look, let's use Phil Mickelson, for example. Bill Mickelson's won... What uh, six majors, five six, majors, yep. six, six majors, six majors, forty-five tournaments. He's a tour member for life, for life, all before the live. How can you take that away? You gave it to him. He's a tour member for life. You tell him he can't be one because he, he went, he took his toys away from your play yard, and you're a little pissed off about it. 
No, I, I don't like that. That's why I say I think there's too much petty stuff going on. And I don't think Augusta will get involved in that. I think Augusta is Augusta. They will run their tournament, and it is the best run sporting event in the world. They will run it the way they like to run it. They'll run it with class. Uh, the top 50 in the world or a tournament winner on the PGA Tour gets in the Masters. That will always be the way it is. And if you're not in the top 50 in the world, well, that's your problem. But the former champions, I think, will always be allowed to play. Do you think um... – do you think there's a way that the live guys and the live tour get world ranking points so that they have an opportunity to play in this? Because listen, um, it's a vote, but if you look at the people that are voting on the world rankings, um, you know, live doesn't have a seat at that table. Some of the other governing bodies do. Augusta has a lot of seats at that table. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We were in Portland at the live event, dad. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, it's very weird for me because, um, this year I was working, you know, I've been working with DJ, I've been working with Pat Perez, and I was working with uh, Garrick Kigo, the young South African kid. Garrick was on the PGA Tour. Um, DJ and Pat made the decision to go to live, and, you know, I was trying to figure out how I was going to bounce back and forth. And so um, the, the Monday of the, the first live event in London, um, Garrick, the, the young kid, said, listen, you know, I'm just going to kind of go back to doing my own thing. And so, so it's not that I don't want to go back on the PGA Tour. It's just the guys that I'm working with right now are on the the live tour. So it's where that, you know, like we're hired guns, right? We go where the work is. Um, we, we have to go where the players are. But I'm just, if do you think there's a way that they can get world ranking points and so that we can have more competition, um, rightly or wrongly, I think some of the things that Greg has talked about in the past about trying to get the best players in the world together more often. I mean, you've, you've talked about it, you know, privately with me for a long time. There's too many damn tournaments on the PGA tour. I mean, oh, no doubt. so in, in, a, in, in an ideal world for you, you know, we've got almost 40, what do we have over 40 tournaments on the PGA for you? What would be a good number of PGA tour events? 25, 30. Well, first of all, let's, let's go to the, the, the 50 top 50 in the world. As long as, the live is playing 54 holes. They're never going to get any world ranking points. They got to go to 72 holes because they got to be apples to apples. You can't play less holes. And so that's the first thing that would have to happen. Uh, second of all, uh, I don't know what, what, what you can do to, to make what you were just talking about happen. Have they pulled your credentials? PJ tour taking your credential away from you or will you get one next year? That would be interesting. You know, they, they haven't, pulled my credential but normally i mean we're one week away so the pj tour season starts in three weeks i mean what when they they do the wraparound what a week or two weeks after normally at this point i need to go through my emails and look is normally i would have gotten a credit because the pj tour has no idea that i'm no longer working with garakigo i mean i've got a credential on the pj tour i could go to the tour championship today with my credential um i haven't heard anything i've heard some rumors um, that one of the the South African caddies um, that was caddying on the Champions Tour, I've heard some rumors that maybe his credential for I just I mean you you said that earlier. It, it is really it seems petty. It seems like you sh the guys you know in Ponte Vedra should be worried about trying to figure out a solution as opposed to trying to pull people credential. We were in Portland for the second live event. And that's when they pulled DJ off the all-time money list. You know, DJ was third in all-time money. You know, 70, $73, 000, $73 million, $74 million or whatever it is. And 
somebody said something to him and no joke, true DJ, he goes, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of petty, but he goes, bro, I don't care. I, I, it's not like I don't have the money. <laughs> yeah. And it just, you know, I think there's just, I, I'm going to say it for the third time. And this is the last time it reminds me of politics in our country. Now, both parties, Republican Democrats going away from each other instead of coming towards each other. All they talk about is how bad the other person is not let's fix this, fix that. They got to come together. There has to be a meeting of the ways. There has to be put your egos aside. Let's make this thing work. And I think the Tiger meeting was probably the start of it. I, I don't know. Like I said, I know some of the guys that were there, but they're not talking about what went down. The Tiger meeting was probably the start of that. Let's have a players meeting. Let's see what we need to do here. Let's, let's all get on the same page. Any of you want to go to live? You know, that's fine. I, I, I know Tiger has mentioned that before that he's not a fan of live, but he doesn't hold it against anybody that went because you, you know, you're going for a chance to make a lot of money. He, he didn't need the billion dollars. He's already a billionaire. You know, so you, I mean, you talk, I mean, it's funny. You talk about, you know, Tiger talking about where's guaranteed money. Where's the incentive? I mean, listen, I mean, you and I met Tiger on the same day. I think he's the greatest golfer of all time. Um, but there isn't a player currently playing had more guaranteed cash. In the, I mean, you, you, you helped, you flew to Tiger's first event as a pro with him on a G450, on a private jet. He was flying around on a private jet from day one. This is a guy that's had guaranteed money before he turned pro, right? And it sure as hell didn't keep him from not being a, the greatest player of all time. He made more money than anybody. Yeah, I, I disagree with the people that say that there's no incentive to win a, a professional golfer wants to win. They have a self-pride. They're not going to just go out there and let themselves go and not do their training and not work and shoot bad scores. No, that, that's not who they are. Uh, they want to win. They, and, and I think there's a motivational factor there because this has been thrown around a lot to those 48 guys that are playing there. They're going to say, hey, wait a minute, we're going to show you what we can do. I'm going to stick this right back up your rear end like you've been trying to stick it on mine. So this is going to motivate me to even work harder and play better. So I, you know, I don't, you know, I can understand because it, it's kind of like a corporate outing atmosphere with the parties and I don't get the music and, but all that that's going on and the guys are more relaxed, but Hey, these are professionals. They have pride. They don't want to go out there and make a fool out of himself and look bad. I guarantee you Phil Mickelson is not happy with himself the way he's been playing. And if I don't know, what Phil's doing now, because I haven't talked to him, he changed his phone number, so I don't have his phone number anymore. If I did, I'd guarantee you that I talked to him, he's working his tail off, because he doesn't like playing bad and looking like a bad player. Nobody likes that. So I think it's an incentive, almost a thing that they can use to motivate themselves to even get better and shoot better scores. I, I think I sent it to you. Somebody made up a mock-up that if there was a live versus the PJ Tour Ryder Cup kind of format right now, you get Greg Norman as the captain of the live guys, you get Tiger as the captain of the um, the PGA Tour. And if you look at kind of how it could play out with the stars, um, you know, for years, the Ryder Cup, um, yeah, the guys liked each other. I mean, didn't some, some of the guys didn't like it, but there wasn't real, real beef in the Ryder Cup, right? I mean, it wasn't a if there was a Ryder Cup type format now with live versus the PJ Tour, if they did it next year, I mean, there's real beef. There's a bunch of guys right now on one side oh, yeah. that are saying they don't like these guys. The captains don't like each other. I mean, it could be, it could be really, really interesting to watch. Yeah, and and, and if there was a playoff, you'd have to have a US UFC 
uh, stadium set up so they can fight it out. That's <laughs> what they want to do. And I'm betting on Greg in that fight. <laughs> Greg versus Monaghan. No, that's not much of a fight. <laughs> um, lastly, Dad, you're coming up next week on a – or at the end of this, end of this week, monument, uh, almost a monumental birthday, 79 years old. Um, <laughs> it's um, – You've had a hell of a life and a, a, a hell of a career. Um, what still motivates you now? I know you still work with, you know, players. You, you know, you work with Gary Woodland. You work with Daniel Kang. You work with Mav McNeely. I think you've done a hell of a job with with Harold Varner. Um, you're still doing work with Webb Simpson. But what, at this stage of your life, Dad, you could, I mean, you don't have to work. You could do whatever you want. What still motivates you to work with these players? And, and what's that like at your age? I love I love to be around great players. I love to watch them. I love to see what they do. I love to learn from them. I love to teach. Uh, you know, I don't I don't teach so much uh, to the normal players anymore because of the, they kind of wore me out with those bad swings. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still I love the game. I love being around the game. I, I love being in it. Uh, I'm, I'm very frustrated that my game at the moment's not real good. You know how hard I am on myself when it comes to that. So. I, I still try and practice and work on different things. I got Billy to give me a lesson. I've had you give me a lesson. I'm, I'm turning into Curtis Strange. I think I'll take it <laughs> around wherever I go because I just I just want to play. The only good thing I can say about being 79 is that much easier to shoot my age. One shot lower, I got to shoot. I've done it ever since I was 66. So, this uh, year, do you go what what tees do you play from? I, I like to play at about 6,200, 6,300. How far are you, you carrying it in the air with the driver right now? Maybe 215. <laughs> I always tell people, they say, how do you, how are you playing these days? Which I said, you know, I got a great short game. They go, really? I said, yeah, the trouble is it's with my driver. <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it, I mean, and I don't think people realize this about you. I know it pisses you off that you don't hit the golf ball further at your age. I know it just, it drives you crazy. I, I try, I try to try to hit it further and try, you know, I, try, I just want to get the best out of what I got. I mean, I was at, I've been at the test center a couple of times in the past month, uh, trying the new drivers, you know, cause they say they go three to five miles an hour faster. I don't know what machine they're testing that on, but it with my swing. I guarantee you that that 88 mile an hour clubhead speed I have, it didn't go throw it out there very far. I just play to have fun. I like playing with my buddies. I play in a few member guests a year with, with good friends of mine. Uh, you know, I'm going to play in the Wingfoot's member guest in, in October. I'm looking forward to that. I always play in the Floridian one. I play, you know, I've got, I like to play in member guests. I like to compete, you know, and, and I'm, I'm no different than any golfer. I don't like bad shots. Bad shots piss me off because my problem is my mind knows exactly what I'm trying to do. And my body's looking at me and said, who the hell are you kidding? Oh man, you can't do that. So I got to find a new way of doing things. Billy, Billy kind of helped me a little. You helped me one down to flow. So I've, I got a lot of information flying around. The problem with me is I do none of the things I tell all my players to do. I don't work out. I don't stretch. I don't eat right. You know, I just, I'm just me. And then, then I expect to go out there and perform, you know, and you have to work at it. But the game is, the beauty of this game is like, I'll be 79 on the 28th. It's, I can still play golf. I can still enjoy myself. As you know, I became a member of my favorite course in the whole world, Royal County Down. I was just over there. I was just going to ask you, you, you got to take a, you know, it is your favorite course. You'd wanted to be the, a member there forever. Jimmy Dunn, um, 
who's an Augusta member and, and runs Seminole. He helped you get in. Um, why don't you tell, why don't you tell us about, um, you took a special golf trip that I know, um, was something that, that, that was pretty unique in what you were able to do. Well, we, I became a member in 2019 and then COVID came, you know, I, I was over there with some uh, friends of mine in, in 2019 before I made a member. It is my favorite golf course in the world. I think World County down is the finest golf course you could ever play. I, I love the place. It's a great membership, great course. Uh, so I never got to go. COVID hit. And they, so the trip that was organized by Jimmy Dunn and Stan Druckenmiller, a bunch of Augusta members who are good friends of mine, who happened to all be members at the Royal County Down. They decided to come out. We got to take Butch over for his first time in the Royal County Down. And so it, it, you know, it was, it was so, so, so let me, let me set this, let me set the scene middle seat, uh, middle seat, uh, on, on a, on a budget airline. And you, you had like five or six stops. Yeah. We had a $80 million global brand new one, (laughs) 12 of us that you could hit wedges inside this plane. We could have putting contests. Uh, yeah, I had a good seat sitting right next to my man, Stan Druckenmiller, whose plane it was. You think I'm going to get far away from him? You're crazy. And uh, we had a wonderful time. We, we stayed right there at the hotel at the course. We went up and played Port Rush, and then we came back down and, and played three rounds at Royal County Down. It was a quick trip. It was like a four-day trip. And then we were back, and it was, uh, man, if you're going to go and you know somebody's got one of those, hop on that damn thing. <laughs> Beat yeah, well, the hell out of me, I'll tell you that. That is, that is a unique situation that um, most people listening can only dream of. Uh, the funny thing about this, Claude, when we landed over there, and they take you out to this private area to, to park the plane and everything. And, you know, this, this new global is gigantic. It's a big airplane. And guys there, and you, you know how it is, because I've done Sky for 25 years. <laughs> Here comes this big plane landing, and this guy that's in there, he's bringing them in like this and bringing them in. And, okay, that's good. Cut it down. The stairs come up, and, okay, here's the, they pull this bus up to get all our stuff. And, Get there, and there, there, there were these two guys out there that were involved in taking care of the plane. And instantly, you got all these guys that are billionaires getting off this plane. And these two guys say, Mr. Harmon, please, can we have a picture with you in front of your plane? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Druck loved that. Oh, he was giving me crap the whole time about it. He said, Where do I send the fuel bill? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't want that thing. I think you had a lot of. Great things to say, and and hopefully, um, I hopefully, like you said, I think maybe everybody can put on both sides can put their egos aside and um, you know try and figure this thing out because uh, hopefully next time we talk to you we'll have seen some progress and maybe a little less chaos. Well, I, I would hope that. I hope I hope they get together and, and let's let's stop fighting and let's try and make this work. Uh, free enterprise is just that; it's what our country is founded on that you have the right to try and go do whatever you can do and do the best for you and your family, which I think is what the guys that are over at Live are doing. Uh, I just hope they all get together. And uh, I'm very curious to see how many more jump over there with you. So I think there's going to be some big names going to do it, and we'll see what happens. Well, I will give you an update um, from Boston and uh, really looking forward um, to the Tour Championship this week. Um, You know, there's a lot of good players playing some really, really good golf late in the season. Um, I think it'd be a hell of a story with all of the guys. If Cantlay can win again, if, you know, Scotty Scheffler can win it, um, and maybe somebody comes out of the pack, who knows? You know, Claude, our good friend Adam Scott got in there with a great last oh, man. round. 
I was so happy for Scotty. God, he made a great, great bunker shot on the 72nd hole to get the last spot, the, the 30th spot. I'm so happy for him because uh, he's a great guy. And uh, hey, hang in there. Let's let's uh, let's hope that we can get something uh, done here and everybody get along together. And uh, golf, golf. We don't need the uh, we don't need the WWE in golf. We we just need golf. Good good players, good scores take care of a lot of things. Congratulations on all your success. I'm really proud of you, Claudie. I know how hard you've worked at what you do, and you you're a wonderful young man. And young, where well, you're fifty something years old. So <laughs> I'm fifty three. You're young to me, but I'm, I'm really proud of you. I love you. Thank Claudie. you. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. You got it. So that was Butch Harmon. And listen, you're always going to get great takes from my dad. Uh, he's been around the game his entire life. And I thought he had some really, really interesting things to say. Listen, um, my dad loves golf. Um, golf is his life. And uh, he mentioned he's going to be turning 79 in a few days. And um, we've had private conversations about what's going on, um, what's happening in the professional game. And you know, I'm lucky enough to be a part of the professional game, both on the PGA Tour, on the Live Tour, and all around the world. And um, I thought that, you know, my dad had some great ideas that if, if everybody could, you know, quit going to these extreme opposites and meet in the middle, uh, I think the game would be a better place. Hopefully, uh, there will be some solutions and uh, hopefully uh, things will um, die down and, you know, a year from now, maybe things look a lot different. So no questions this week, but uh, next week, the recent Open champion, Ashley Buhai, who played just an amazing round of golf, a big playoff win, and she wins her first major. And it was really cool to talk to her uh, about that journey uh, from South Africa to being now a major champion. And uh, we've got some really, really good guests lined up uh, for the future. Uh, keep going to my social, Twitter, Instagram. We'll be putting up um, questions. We'll be asking who you want to hear on the podcast. But really, really excited to launch the new podcast. Want to thank everybody for listening. The Son of a Butch podcast will come to you every Wednesday. We will see you next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.